0: Welcome to another message from Life Point Church, located at 400 South Abilene in Valley Center, Kansas. For more information on Life Point Church, go to our website at lpcag.org. It is our prayer to invest in generations to influence community. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Steve Rains. Good morning. How's everyone? I'm not too convinced, I'm not sure, but but we're just going to go with a little bit of the, I'm great, I'm great. Anyway, but it's wonderful to see you guys. I hope you are great, I hope that you're going to be even better by the time you leave this place today, that all of us would say, man, it has been good to be in the house of the Lord with my brothers and sisters and my family or whoever you're here with. And if uh, you're, you're here for the first time, thanks for coming and, and uh, stepping into a place that you've never been before. We pray that you feel at home. We pray that you sense the presence of the Lord and that God speaks to you like only God can speak to you. Have you ever uh, done something and while you're sitting through the event or the, the thing that you're at, you're like, I meant to put that in there and I didn't get it done. I had one of those moments but um, just now, but uh, it's, it's all right. You don't know what I'm talking about, so I'm just going to keep it to myself. Alright, but it was big. It was going to be awesome. And, uh, but anyway, so we uh, start this new series this morning. Really, it's a trilogy of our, our Sunday Christmas series, Struck by Glory. Um, and we begin it today and we'll col- uh, culminate it on Christmas Eve with that service at 4.30. And um, just, uh, you may say, well, why are we doing it on Christmas Eve and not Christmas Day? Um, how many know church doesn't happen without volunteers? Without, without the body of Christ coming together. I mean, you wouldn't want to be here if I was up there singing. It would be the shortest service ever, ever imagined, right? And so, uh, just to, to honor and to... Um, to, to really give thanks to everyone that makes church happen on a regular basis, to say, hey, just be with your families on Christmas Day. We're going to celebrate Christmas Eve. I love Christmas Eve services, and so um, we are going to be doing that uh, 4.30 uh, Christmas Eve. Get you out of here. It'll be no more than an hour, um, and uh, get you out of here so you have time with family or you have time to be on the road if, that's, uh, if you're going somewhere. But let me pray as we dive into the Word. Father God, as we step into your Word this morning, Um, I pray that uh, we would be amazed and overwhelmed by how vast you are. But God, also, we would be humbled by how close you are. And Father, I pray that you would take the next few minutes that we have, looking at your word as we step into Advent season, to just be memorized by your grandeur and to be humbled and to step close to you and all that you're doing and all that you want to do in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's Advent season. It begins um, Advent. Simply, we celebrate the first coming of Christ. But man, we're looking forward to His second coming. I don't know about you, but I can't wait for the day when that eastern sky parts and, and we are taken home to to be with Him for all of eternity. How many know that's a, that's a mighty long time? You thought you were, you were in front of the, the sink doing dishes last Thursday for a long time. Eternity is going to be incredible and um but I, but before we get there, I want us to focus on our God. Psalms 19 says this, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the, earth, the sky above proclaims His handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, night to night reveals knowledge. Paul put it this way in Romans chapter 1, verse 20. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. Um, I love being from Kansas because of the canopy of heaven that we get to sit out under on an evening if we take advantage of it. I mean, the size of the cosmos is incredible. The, the separation between us and a holy God was unimaginable. Yet God who created the universe has drawn near to us and we emphasize that this, searing, this season as we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. We saw in Psalms 19, the heavens declare the glory of God. And I, I want us to kind of step away from our 21st century mindset and reading that and to step onto a hillside where, where David pinned those words uh, centuries ago. Where he said, as he looked under, up into the splendor of heaven and to, and declared the heavens declare the glory of God you and I have to understand that that as David sat there that evening and he penned those words he was looking at an unpolluted sky there was no light pollution there was no air pollution there was nothing that would hinder him from looking up into the splendor of heaven and almost I would dare to say feel like he could touch that Which was out there, because it was so just so illuminated, um, I'd mentioned you know back in September, me and Caleb went up to out to Colorado, we hiked a 14er and uh, we started like at four thirty in the morning, up our truck up this mountain, and um, we've never started that early before where we needed headlamps and and before we started, I just we just paused and we stopped and we just looked and it was like man the scar the stars were so so close it was magnificent it was it was words don't do justice to to that encounter I put some pictures up but I, I ended up pulling them because you would look at them and you'd go because it just looks like a black screen the, my iPhone didn't do justice on that hillside that morning um, it was absolutely incredible as we stood there. And then we began our track up the mountain, and the pain of the hike began to overshadow the, the beauty of the stars. But and then the sun came up, and you saw a, a different grandeur. But many, I mean, many in our day are enamored with the neon lights that our world has to offer us. All the while, God is saying to you and I look to the heavens. What is the closest star beyond the sun? It's 4.2 light years away. So if you were to to say, well, man, I'm going to walk to that sun or to that star, it would just take you a mere 950 million years to get there by foot. So when you're tempted to uh, complain this uh, holiday season, being put out in the back 40 of the mall when you're there because there's no other parking place, just remember, man, I'm glad I'm not having to walk to the nearest star. Right? Um, David wrote this in Psalms 8, verse 3. When I look at the, the night sky and see the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, you set in place. What are mere mortals that you should think about them? human beings, that you should care for them. I mean, literally you look at that passage and it's just like, you know what? You know what? We're like speck upon speck, right? Yet John 3.16 shouts to us, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You are more than a speck. Today's message is entitled Cosmos to to Cradle. And the prophet Isaiah, after he declared the coming The coming of the of the Messiah to the cradle in Isaiah chapter nine where he he proclaims, For unto us a child is born, right? Unto a son is given, and his name shall be wonderful counselor, mighty God, Prince of peace everlasting that that passage of scripture after he has made that declaration, that prophecy, he he writes this in Isaiah chapter forty, verse twelve. Who else has held the oceans in his hands? Who has measured off the heavens with His fingers? Some translations say the the span of His hands. He goes on to describe and proclaim how great God is and how small we are. And then it really crescendos in verse 26 with these words, Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars? He brings them out like an army one after another, calling each by name. Because of His great power and incomparable strength, not a single one is missing. O Jacob, how can you say that the Lord does not see your trouble? And to someone in this room this morning, or watching online, I I just want to direct your moments that you find yourself now. Maybe it's a, a moment of, just despair. May the words of, a, of the prophet Isaiah speak to you. How can you say the Lord does not see your trouble because he sees you right where you're at? Oh Israel, how can you say God ignores your rights? Have you never heard? Have you never understood? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. He never grows weak or weary no one can measure the depths of his understanding he's with you jim lovell who was an astronaut on apollo 8 describes how magnificent and vast space was when you saw when he saw earth for the first time 250 million miles away i mean i I just stop and try to think about that and i'm like man I, i love the earth right i mean to think what that must have been like he He remarked how incredible it was that he could block out the entire planet when he looked at it while giving a thumbs-up gesture. Gone. And he says this, everything I ever knew was behind my thumb. He referred to Earth as the grand oasis in the big vastness of space. I mean, when... When have you been awestruck by God's creation? Because in this rat race of life, this rat race that we find ourselves in, if we're not careful, we just worry about our foot on the accelerator and we forget to look out at the awesomeness of our Creator. I mean, whether you, you you, you climb a 14er, and you start before the sun comes up. Or you're in a delivery room and you look at a at an infant for the first time as it's gasping for breath. Or you go scuba diving and you're 40 feet under the ocean or depths even deeper than that. And you're like, man, it's a totally different world down there. And you're amazed. Today is all about How do we get the God out there to be the God in here? I want to use, obviously, one of the Gospels as our exploration manual. John has an agenda in his Gospel, and he wants us to believe. He wants you to, if you're here today, um, unashamedly, uh, if you're here today and and you're like, man, I don't know about God, I don't believe in God, I, I don't think... God, John, who is uh, one of the early followers of Jesus, who penned the Gospel of John, with to say, hey, clear, point blank, my, my, my desire for you today is that you would believe. John gives us a front row seat into this cosmos to cradle exploration, journey, um, encounter, if you will. Who was John? If you're not familiar with him, John was a fisherman on the Sea of Galilee. He was a fisherman who turned follower of Jesus. He was a fisherman who turned follower of Jesus, turned church leader. He was a fisherman who turned to, a follower, to be a follower of Jesus, a church leader, to um, an exile because the Roman government placed him on an island called Patmos because they were afraid of his message and his passion for this resurrected Jesus. The Gospel of John was written about 80, uh, in the 80s of the first century. The background of John's, uh, of John's life was he was a fisherman, all right, and he would have been trained to read the seas, he would have been trained to read the weather of his day. Jesus was born about 20 miles from where John grew up, where John worked, and so Jesus says, uh, and, he, and he saw what John did and what his family did, and that every, every evening at, uh, towards the, the end of, of uh, the day, John and his family would push their boats out to sea, and they would begin to fish. They would fish all night long, and then they would come in as the sun was beginning to, to rise. It's interesting, in 1986 along the Sea of the Galilee, the water levels were, were low and some, uh, some uh, uh, archae- archaeologists found a boat that was dated to the first century. It looks like that. And so the fishing vessel that John would have been on was not huge. It would have had four rowers in that. not a big vessel. Um, the Sea of Galilee, which John would have spent his time on, is, is about 64 square miles. If you're like, well, give me a comparison. Uh, Topeka, Kansas is 61 square miles. So that kind of gives you an idea of the body of water that John is making his living on prior to following Jesus. So John, being his profession, being the time when he would work together, would go to work, John is familiar with light. As a fisherman, he would, as I said, he would go out to water as the sun is setting. He would come back to land as it was rising. He, so he's out there on the Sea of Galilee with absolutely no, no light pollution. Think how clear the view of the night sky would have been for John. I mean, just, just think about the shooting stars. And how, how long their tail would have been. Right? Think about the belt of Orion. Right? Wow. You know? I mean, think about the, the moon and just how like... Think about the meteor showers that they would have encountered. John... Each of the Gospel writers introduce Jesus in different ways. Matthew's Gospel, Jesus is the son of David, so he deals with the genealogy of Jesus. Luke's Gospel introduces Jesus as the son of man, but John's Gospel introduces Jesus as the son of God. He's introducing, it's an introduction of of deity, that that Jesus is not just man, that he's God. And he begins that from the, from the introductory words of of his letter to to the church in john chapter one and so what i want to do is just just pull some random thoughts from the first several verses of of john chapter one this morning as we talk about cosmos to cradle I think we have to understand that as john is writing chapter one many scholars believe that the early church used this as a song so john writes a song for the ages in John chapter one, the first, uh, the from verses fourteen through verses eighteen, this song would have been sung in the early church, and, and the words are absolutely powerful. Read them with me out loud, if you would. John chapter one, verse one. Ready? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. What was John saying? John's saying to you and I, John is saying as he is is looking at the situation that he has encountered as he's writing these words 50 years later approximately from Jesus' death and resurrection, Jesus Christ is the very speech of God, the Father. What does that mean? When, when someone speaks, you find out who they are. You find out what they are all about. You, you recognize them. I mean, if we were to play a game today and put some black uh, sheets up and put a few of you behind there with a mic, um, uh, you know, Many of us in this place could say, "Oh, well, that that's um, that's Bart, or or that's that's Jimmy." I understand his little drawl that Jimmy has. That, that's Jimmy Taylor, and you know, or or just uh, we could do that. Or if we brought in someone maybe well known from our one of the newscasters from town, you would say, "Oh, well, that's so and so." Babies in their third trimester while they're in their mama's womb, know their mother's voice. I can call many of you and, and hey, how's it going, you know? And we start talking and, and you're, I mean, you know my voice. Um, I always try to say, hey, this is, Pastor Steve, just in case you're one of those nice people that just talk really nice to everyone because uh, on, on the phone, you know, and um, then you hang up and go, I'm not sure who that was, but, but I, I want to make sure you know who I am. So I always say, hey, this is Pastor Steve. But, but you recognize my voice. Jesus Christ is the voice of the Most High God. John defines Jesus as the Word. Why is that in the original language of Scripture, which would have been Greek? uh, The Word is is logos. It it comes, the origins of the Word mean logic or or logical. It's a a reasoned thing. A group of people during John's time were called the Stoics. They were philosophers that, that lived by a mindset that said, suck it up and And Because there's a reason to whatever is happening to you. There's a reason to whatever's going on in society right now. So just buckle up. You're going to get through it. There's a reason behind it. They said that about the universe too. There there has to be a reason to it. Listen, in John 1.1, calls Jesus the word, the the logos, the logic, the, the meaning behind it all. And the Greeks believed that the underpinning of the universe was a logic, a reason for being, right? They called it Logos. And John grabs that thought, that idea, and says, Jesus is wisdom personified. He is the one who helps us make sense of life. But better than that, he is the sense of life in every way. He is the rationale. He is the logic. He is the reason for your existence. And apart from it, you will struggle with your purpose. He is the logic behind life itself. And the apostle John hitchhikes on that and says, there's a reason to the universe, and let me tell you about it. It's Jesus. His name is is Jesus nothing doesn't produce something chaos doesn't foster order John chapter 1 verse 1 in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and god w- uh, and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made read this next portion with me verse 4 and 5 in him was life and the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it life and light are expressions of God's presence throughout scripture light is a tangible expression of God's presence if you will it's one of the bullets for the day I mean you think about it Genesis in the beginning God said what? Let there be light. A few chapters later, a rainbow happens after the flood. Rainbows don't happen if there's not light. There's a pillar of fire in Exodus representing the presence of God. There's a star over Bethlehem. Paul has an encounter with Jesus on the Damascus Road. And Jesus appeared to him, and Paul was blinded by the light. And a song was written. Sorry, this dated some of us. But God's presence is characterized by light. And his presence is life-giving. The tiniest amount of light defeats immense darkness. Darkness has no power or defense from light. You turn on the light, darkness goes away. There's a story of an army general during the Vietnam War um, that he tells of, of uh, they were in the jungles in the midst of a battle and they needed to be extracted from that. They called for an extraction team of helicopters to come in to, to rescue them, to pull them out. But as you can imagine, there's no electricity. There's no w- uh, way for them to, to display where they're at. And the, this general tells the story that they used a cigarette lighter to guide the choppers in. Think about that. A little bick. A tiny bit of light chases away darkness. Light is a tangible expression of God's presence, and John echoes that. He echoes Genesis 1. Genesis 1, verse 1 says this. In the beginning, God created, literally, God created something out of nothing. Nothing the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, it was, it was his first words that we have re- uh, recorded for us within the text of Scripture. His first words were this. not Man, it would be cool to create something. Let's make something today. It was, let there be light. And there was light. Dr. Howard Homestead, who is an an, uh, an analytical chemist, um, and, and that's the field where they use light for scientific discovery and measurement. He he was a, a, a an analytical chemist at the University of Illinois. Um, his team helped create the instrument that that um, they use when you are in the ER or you go to the doctor and they, need a, they draw your blood and they want to check your, your blood, le- um, not your blood levels, but what's going on with your blood, if you're, there's any deficiencies in there. And so they, they created the, the blood chemistry analyzer that in a moment of time, in just in a short period of time, it, it's able to read what your protein levels are, if you're short on anything, what, how your iron levels are. All that stuff is measured with light. And Dr. Momstead was asked, he's a believer, why did God say, let there be light? And his reply was, light, listen to his reply. I mean, this is a brilliant man, right? Light is the basis of the cosmos. Light is what makes the world work. There's no color without light. There is, a distance doesn't happen without light. Uh, without light wavelengths is the exact measurement of distance the atomic clock is based on light the uh, the basis for food i mean y'all going to eat you know in the next within the next two hours maybe but you're going to be eating because of light so if you're like i'm struggling i'm not sure how this is going to taste today give thanks for light before you eat right we don't have buffalo wings. Come on, somebody. We don't have burgers. We don't have Andy's frozen custard. We don't have coffee without light. It's the basis of communication, cell phones, TVs, scanners um, at stores as you're checking out. Beep, beep. Movies. That radar gun that cop cocked you with light and the apostle the apostle john didn't know about cell phones and scanners and the like all the stuff that we have today all he knew was the visible side of it all he knew about light is what he could see as he was out on, on on the waters at night looking at the vastness of the cosmos all he could see was was what the fire would provide and all that the spectrum of light is huge i mean your tv is at home, and you probably watched Andor if you're into that. You think of that end of the spectrum of light versus if you go down to Wesley Hospital that in their surgery room right now there's a a gamma knife used to perform brain surgery. All because of light. Do you think God knew what He was inspiring John to write? When John penned these words in him, in Jesus was life, and the life was the light of man, and light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Healing becomes, uh, comes because of light. I mean, I think of when our, when our boys were, were little and, and one of them had jaundice, the doctor was like, just put him in front of the window at home. He'll be good. In the middle of this song, draw, John drops another guy um, into into our into the plot, a guy by the name of John. You know how, how many know John? The name John fits in a lot of songs. Johnny Be Good writes. Um, Big John. Taylor Swift has dear John. But in John verse 1, chapter 6, there was a man who sent uh, man, there was a man sent from God whose name was John He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. Who is this man? It's John the Baptist. John the Baptist is a a pivotal witness in this introduction of Jesus. We have to understand, we have to remind ourselves that it had been 400 years since the people of Israel had heard a message from God. Heavens were brass, the heavens had been silent. And John shows up, this dude that's dressed funny, eats weird stuff, and yet has this powerful message that's resonating with people, that's pulling people out of the cities to the hillside to hear about the light of the world, to hear about this life and light that is being brought to humanity. What was his message? The kingdom of God is coming, and it looks like a carpenter named Jesus. Look what John writes in John chapter one, verse eight. He was not the light. He was not the light, but he came to bear witness of the light, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own. He came to his own. His own things, his his own creation and his own people did not receive him. How many know, rejection is never the end of the story? Verses 8 through 11 caused me to ask this question. Why would people reject light? Why would people reject life? I mean, they did it then, they do it today, right? Right? And I think one of the reasons that people do that is, is light light exposes stuff, doesn't it? It reveals true conditions. But look at the good news in John chapter 1, 12 through 13. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right or you could say the authority to become children of God who were born not of blood nor of the will of the flesh nor of the will of man, but of God. I love that, that he gave the right, he he gave the authority, if you will, to be children. Authority to be kids. I mean, in light of this, it's like God is saying, hey, I want you to be a kid again. Do you, ever, do you ever think, oh, to be 10, to be 10 again? I don't know if you ever, sometimes I think that. It'd be nice to be a teenager again. Life was so much easier then. It'd be nice to be 25. Yeah, we didn't have any food in our cabinets, and, and we thought it was really hard, but man, oh, to be 25 again. Or to be 30. Some of you are like, man, if I could just be 50 again. Life was so easy then, right? But who's this for? The worship team would come. Those who believe. John never uses the noun belief. As you read through his gospel, he never uses the word belief. Like like a belief system. He uses the action verb to believe. 98 times in his gospel, he says to believe, to believe, to believe. It's all about growth. It's all about stretching. It's all about action. And look how John wraps this description up, this cosmos to cradle event. Verse 14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, We have seen His glory. The glory as the only Son from the Father, underline this in your Bible, full of grace and truth. And what a powerful, that's a whole message in and of itself, full of grace and truth. I mean, we we need grace. Amen? We, we need grace and we need truth. Pastor and author Chris Hodges says this, truth without grace is mean. <laughs> Just let that think sink in. Truth without grace is mean. And grace without truth is meaningless and that's a rich statement a.w tozer said what comes to mind when i think about god is the most important thing about me we've taught we talked this morning about the cosmos to the cradle we're celebrating communion today and intentionally i wanted us to put it here at the end had a video that I wanted to play at the beginning, but that, I forgot to do that. In light of just stuff this week, it, it got away from me. And I remember during the, f- the second worship song, I was like, oh, stink. I don't think I can pull that one off. But hopefully as you sat and you thought about the wonders of heaven and, and being out maybe in the Flint Hills or maybe you've had opportunity to be up in the mountains or, or out in a boat where there was no light pos- Pollution, and you could look up and you could see the vastness of the universe and, and, the, and how, how awesome it is, the mystery behind it, the marvel of it, how majestic it is. The cosmos spoken into existence by the Word of of God. And then, John chapter 1, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. Cosmos to cradle. This concludes the teaching. Thank you for listening, and we hope you can join us for next Sunday's service with Pastor Steve Rains.